So we're continuing through um, Acts today, and today we're in Acts chapter 10. And so if you want to beat the rush, you can put your Bible open there. Last week we finished in uh, Acts chapter 9 with the story of, of Saul's conversion. Oops, thank you. Am I good? Yeah. All right, thanks. <laughs> All right, so last, this, this one's working today? It's all good? Everybody can hear me okay? okay. Oh, gosh, thank you. All right, sorry. Um, I, heard, I heard my mic come on, and I wasn't sure if it had been on already. But anyway, we can hear me now. Good. All right, let's carry on then. Um, yeah, so last week, we finished with uh, Saul's conversion. And uh, Saul, of course, had been persecuting the Christians, and then he became a Christian. And so, so after his conversion, Saul stays in Damascus for many days. And I've, I've got a map that kind of has some of the, some of the uh, um, sites that we'll be hitting today. Just as, when, if, you're reading, um, if you're reading through Acts, it's always helpful to have a, uh, an atlas or something open beside you because it, it'll mention these names. And if you quickly take a look at, at exactly where they are, then it will just help form that picture. And so, Charlie, if you want to throw that map up there, you can just leave it up there as we, as we go through. And it's not... It's a little bit small to see, probably, but basically we got a, in the, the bigger picture is, is, is a little bit closer in of, of Israel there, and you can see the, the Dead Sea is that um, body of water at the bottom, and then next to that is Jerusalem, and along the coast there's a few um, communities, and then up higher is Damascus, and then the, the, the inset square is a bigger picture of, uh, of the, what we call the Mediterranean Sea, but what would have been the Great Sea back then. And, and there's a couple of, of sites that are mentioned in our passage here. So if that's helpful, you can look up to that map there as we're going through. Um, and so, so Saul, had, uh, he'd stayed in Damascus for a few days, and that, that's that, um, on this map, that's that site that's way up north there. And, and when he was there, he proclaimed Jesus in the, in the synagogues. And in Acts chapter 9, verses 23 to 25, we see that, that this story is still pretty wild. Um, after many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill Saul, but Saul learned of their plan. Day and night, they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lured him in a basket through an opening in the wall. Right? Like, we, we sometimes read through this stuff, and it's like we just pass right over verses like this. Like, they literally, Saul literally was put in a basket so he could escape from the city, and he was lowered down. Right? Like, that's... that's that's pretty crazy. These are crazy times. So, so from there, Paul heads down to Jerusalem. And, and the Christians there, of course, they're afraid of him because they know Saul is this guy that had been persecuting them. But Barnabas, if you remember Barnabas, we'd met him earlier in Acts. And he's, this, he's the encourager, right? He's this guy that's just, he just always is sticking up for the, for the guy that's being rejected. And that even, that even includes Saul in this case, right? Saul, um, Saul or Paul, as he later becomes known. Um, of course, is being rejected by the Christians because he'd been persecuting the Christians, right? They have reason to be scared of him. But, but uh, Barnabas, um, well, he sticks up for Saul. In verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 27, Barnabas took Saul and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Um, we might say that Barnabas was telling the apostles... Listen, don't, don't reject someone that God has made clean. And Saul kept speaking boldly about Jesus, 
But the drama wasn't over. If you get down to verse 29, um, Saul talked and, and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. So the believers took Saul to uh, Caesarea, and that's a military port. It's, it's, uh, you can see, if you can see the map, you can see that it's, it's on the coast there, a little bit further up the coast. And this was a, a military port. Um, and we'll visit it again in, in chapter 10. But from, um, so they took Saul up to Caesarea, and from, from Caesarea, Saul went up to Tarsus, which in that little map is the, the um, city at the very top of the Mediterranean Sea there, up above uh, um, Cyprus, the island of Cyprus there. And so they, they went to Caesarea, put Paul on a ship, or Saul on a ship, and, and he went up to Tarsus. And Tarsus is actually the, the city that, um, that Saul was from. And so it's like all this persecution, all this people trying to kill him, He's probably just like, hey, I just want to go home. Like, take me, send me home. So he goes up to Tarsus for a little while. Um, <clears throat> and then we get to uh, verse 31 in chapter 9. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in number. Increased in numbers. So it seems there's seasons, right? And, and now for a short time anyways... There, there was peace, and the people were living in fear of the Lord in a good way, and they were encouraged by the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so then we get down to uh, Acts chapter 9, verse, verse 32, and, and here we cut back to Peter, right? We'd had this, more of the story of, of Saul and what he was doing and what was going on there. Now we cut back to the story of Peter, another one of the apostles, and it tells us, tells us that he's traveling around the country. He goes to visit the city of, of Lydda. Um, which is kind of a little bit inland, where he heals a paralyzed man. And then Peter's called to Joppa, which is on another, another coastal city, a fishing village, I believe. And he's called there to, to raise a dead woman to life. And he does that, and he ends up staying there a little while with, with a guy called uh, Simon, Simon the Tanner. And then in, in chapter 10, we'll see that Peter eventually makes the trip up to Caesarea. So he travels eventually from, from uh, Joppa up to um, Caesarea. Because there's a, a centurion, a centurion in the port city of, of Caesarea, and the, this centurion's name is Cornelius, and we will get to him in a second. But first, first a quick, let me read this quick description of, uh, of what a centurion is, right? Because this will help us. Cornelius is this guy we're going to meet in a second. It says he's a, a centurion, and, and this doesn't, this, well, this description of what a centurion was uh, written by the historian Polybius, who was, who was, um, a story around the same time. Anyway, he said that centurions are required not to be bold and adventurous, so much as good leaders of steady and prudent mind, not prone to take the offensive or start fighting wantonly, but able, when overwhelmed and hard-pressed, to stand fast and die at their post. And, um, and so anybody, any, anybody in the first century that was reading um, Acts here and they saw that uh, Cornelius was a centurion, would, this, this would kind of be the kind, type of leader that he was, right? There's different kinds of leaders. This is the kind of leader that Cornelius was. So Caesarea is about 50 kilometers north of, of Joppa, um, and, and it's the political capital of the region, and it's got this big military harbor, a harbor that was like an artificial harbor, and it's also the, the headquarters of the Roman troops in the region, so this is why Cornelius the centurion lives there. And, and remember this city, because it shows up again later in Acts. Um, Philip lives here. Later, Saul was imprisoned here. And, and 
and after, um, after the time of Acts, um, this was actually the birthplace of the, the Jewish revolt that started in 66 AD. It's, it started here, and that eventually resulted in the um, destruction of the temple. So, so Peter is going to, to go to Caesarea to meet this guy, Cornelius, who is a Gentile, right? And that's kind of a little bit of a shocker because Gentile means non-Jew, and the Jews and the Gentiles didn't really associate with each other. <clears throat> they didn't mix. But even though he's a Gentile, Cornelius is a follower of God. He, he follows the God of Israel. Um, Acts chapter 10, verse 2. Cornelius and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. So, Cornelius has a vision in which an angel says, hey, send some of your men to Joppa and have them bring Peter here to Caesarea. <clears throat> so, 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 um, so Cornelius does that. He, he sends two of his servants along with one of his soldiers down to Joppa to find this Peter guy. And, and as the guys, as the three of them approach Joppa, Peter, who's already in, in Joppa, he's, he's praying. And the Bible tells us, and in Acts there, it tells us that Peter started getting hungry. And suddenly he falls into a, a trance. And so starting in verse 10, Peter became hungry and he wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. Right? And so it's, Peter's talking about impure as far as, as animals that aren't kosher, but also unclean as far as, as uh, animals that haven't, or, or food that hasn't been prepared properly. Then carrying on in verse 15, the voice, and of course, in, in my Bible, that this was another one where it's like, hey, these letters are in red, because this is the words of Jesus. So the voice spoke to him a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And this happened three times. And immediately, the sheet was taken back up to heaven. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Do not reject someone that God has made clean. For Peter, this has been the Gentiles, right? The Gentiles are unclean. And therefore, in Peter's mind, it's like, hey, I, I, I shouldn't be um, spending time with these people. And it might be someone different for us, right? It might be someone different for, for me. It might be someone different for you. But, but all of us, at times, there's people that, it, all of us at times, I, I suspect, would, would fall into this, where there's someone that Jesus is saying, hey, this is, this is a person that I've made clean. This is a person that I have redeemed, and don't reject them. Um, if no one comes to mind, if no group comes to mind, then, then let me give you a few options. Some people that you might be tempted to reject. Um, maybe it's the person that's too simple, right? God's not, God's not going to do something greater through that person than he's doing through me, right? Because that person is simple. But, but more likely it's the person that, that is too smart. Um, sometimes we're ashamed of the good news. And, and we were thinking, oh, you know what, that, that smart person, they're too, they're too smart for, for this stuff. But friends, 
the, the smart person needs Jesus, needs to, be made by, needs to be made clean by Jesus just as much as we do. And, and uh, <laughs> it sounds like a little bit of an insult in there, right? It's like the smart people need to be made clean just like we do, as if we're not the smart people. But we're smart too, all right? And I know there's some smart people here. <laughs> so that wasn't a hidden insult in case you took it that way. Um, or or the, the Christian that, what is it? <laughs> yes, yes, there were some hurt feelings, so just to, just to, just to clear that up. All right, so maybe, maybe the person that we reject is, um, is the Christian that's still holding on to some of her Muslim traditions, right? Or maybe it's the, the kids that haven't been vaccinated, right? Like there's lots of reasons, there's lots of good reasons to not be around certain people or to, to, to reject certain people. Um, how about the, the mum with the screaming baby, right? Won't be long till we have to deal with that. Or, uh, or, or the, uh, <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> woo, or, <laughs> um, or the, the same-sex attractive woman, right? Or the, the, the gay guy that shows up with his, with his husband and his two kids, right? We, we haven't, um, as far as I know, we haven't seen that, but what, what, what happens when we do? Or, or maybe it's the, the transgendered woman, right? And I think some of us, maybe me included, would have a hard time with the, with the woman that used to be a man that came here and she's claiming to be a Christian, right? What do we, what do we do in that case? I don't know, but I do know, I do know what Jesus told Peter. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And the point isn't that, that God makes, that the point isn't that God made everyone clean, right? Because, because that's not accurate. The point is that it seems that Peter was so conditioned to believe that God had rejected the Gentiles that it took this crazy vision for that to change. See, as, as far as Peter was concerned, it was reasonable to exclude the Gentiles. The Old Testament law was pretty much, the, the Old Testament law pretty much made that necessary. But Jesus was calling Peter to something new. <clears throat> maybe, maybe you have a good reason to reject that person or reject that group, or maybe you don't, in which case you just need to repent. But, but maybe, just like Peter, you've got a good reason to reject certain groups, Maybe, but maybe Jesus is calling you to, to something new. Not, I'm not saying that Jesus is changing the gospel or that we're, we're, we're learning a new, uh, um, that, that, that uh, there's something. I'm not preaching a different gospel. I'm just saying that sometimes God opens our eyes to something that's always been there, something that he's always been proclaiming. So, so Peter is thinking about this vision that he's just had, right, where Jesus tells him, hey, don't consider anything unclean that I've declared clean. I'm mean, thinking about this vision when, when Cornelius' men show up at the gate. And the Holy Spirit tells Peter, go with these guys. I've sent them. And, and as an aside, if you're, if you're looking for a passage to wrestle with how God speaks, or this, this passage, this Acts chapter 10, is it. Because in these passages, we have Jesus speaking. We have the Holy Spirit speaking right here, here to uh, Peter. And, and, and I, I don't imagine that Peter heard the Holy Spirit audibly there. I suspect that it was maybe similar to how the Holy Spirit would speak to us. <clears throat> um, we have an angel speaking, right? And we have 
God's people, right? God, God speaking through his people. So he's, he's speaking in lots of different ways. So anyways, Cornelius guys, the, the Cornelius guys, they stay overnight with Peter at Simon the Tanner's, and the next day, along with some other believers from Joppa, they head off for um, Caesarea, right? They start this journey up to Caesarea. And the day after that, they arrive. It, I think the, in the text there, you might have some text notes. I think it's not quite clear whether it's the day after that or, or if the journey was two days long. But anyway, in a day or two, they arrive in Caesarea, <clears throat> where Cornelius is, is waiting for them. And Cornelius has gathered together some of his families, or some of his family, some of his, his friends. And Peter and his entourage arrive. And then Peter goes into Cornelius' house. Now, friends, you have to understand that this is a big deal, right? For, for Peter, uh, a practicing Jew, to go into a Gentile's house. <clears throat> um, chapter 10, verse 28. Peter said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? And then Cornelius tells him about his own vision. <clears throat> and then he says, so I sent for you immediately and it was good of you to come. Now we're all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. And so this is like, this, this Cornelius, or this posture that Cornelius takes, this is awesome, right? That, that uh, he's like, hey, Peter, just tell me why you came. Um, we, we usually have a hard time with this, right? Just, just being able to, uh, to hear what God has to say. Um, which brings us to, to Peter's speech. And let me read this to you, and you can follow along if you like. So this is the speech that, uh, that Peter gives to, um, to Cornelius and his family and his friends. Uh, and he's also got his, his Jewish friends that are with him. Um, and the, the two servants and the, the soldier there. Verse 34. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message that God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He, is, he was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen. By us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard this message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, 
Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. <clears throat> well, let me pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would, God, that, that, uh, that, that the speech that you gave to Peter, that it would speak to us as well. Praisings in Jesus' name. Amen. So, so what are some things that are here for us? Um, we'll follow this progression with me. First, <clears throat> we reject a certain group of people, right? For Peter, it was the, the Gentiles. And as I mentioned, he had good reason to reject the Gentiles. But Jesus said, hey, listen, I'm, I'm doing something new here. So we're instructed not to reject these people. Do not reject someone that God has made clean, right? And we want to ask, well, is, that, is there someone like that for me? Is that someone, am I, am I rejecting someone that, that Jesus has made clean? But for Peter, it didn't end with Jesus just saying, hey, don't reject. That was only the beginning. Next, <clears throat> God prepared the Gentiles to be accepted, to learn that they had been accepted by both Jesus and by Peter. See, see, Peter's acceptance of the Gentiles, of this group of Gentiles, was the means through which Cornelius and his family were declared clean. And, and so whoever it is that you might be, calling to, you might be called to accept, the question is, does that, does that acceptance include bringing Jesus to them? <clears throat> But this wasn't just a heart issue for Peter, right? It wasn't just like, hey, Peter, it wasn't like Jesus just came to Peter and said, hey, Peter, I've got some heart work to do on you. It's like, yeah, it started with working on Peter's heart, changing this thinking, declaring that the Gentiles were clean, allowing Peter to accept and know this to be true. But then, Peter's given to, given, Peter is given instructions <clears throat> um, Hold on, I got lost here. I think it, it, the, the place where I'm going is that this wasn't just, it, it didn't end with Peter just changing his thinking, right? Then he was called to action. And it wasn't just a thing about Peter being told, hey, you've got to declare, or, or you've got to accept all Gentiles. Gentiles are clean. Next, it got personal. It's like, and I want you to accept this group, this family of Gentiles. And more than that, I want you to go. It's not just uh, accepting it in your mind, but there's some action, some, some work, if you will, associated with that. And the same is true of us, of course. If God changes our heart, if God opens our eyes maybe to somebody that we've been rejecting, a group that we've been rejecting, then chances are it's not just a kind of a general thing. Next, he's going to call us to a, a specific family, a specific individual. <clears throat> It's not just a heart issue, it's also an action issue. And so, so an obvious example for us might be racism, right? Maybe you've got some heart problems with a certain race of people, and by the Holy Spirit, Jesus is changing your heart towards all people of that group. But then he's probably going to call you to a specific family or a specific individual, right? It's not going to just change with a general change. It's going to change with a specific 
family-specific individual. So after that, the Holy Spirit sent Peter to visit. But it wasn't just in the local coffee shop, right? No, he, he went into Cornelius' house. Now, I couldn't tell you how the Gentiles would feel about that, right? Would this have been difficult for Cornelius and his family? I don't know. He, he did worship the God of the Israelites, and this was an Israelite that was, was coming to visit. Um, maybe having Peter visit would have been an honor. I don't know. But either way, God did prepare the way, right? And an, an angel gave Cornelius the heads up. And if there's a group of people that you've got to make amends with, an angel might not pave the way. But I do believe that in, in many cases, especially if this is a group of of Christians, a group of people that, that already serve the God that we serve, then the Holy Spirit will, in many cases, prepare the way for them to receive you with grace. <clears throat> they might have every reason to reject you, and so you can ask God to, to prepare their hearts as well as yours. And then finally, in Peter's case, and, and maybe in our case, Peter proclaimed that, that the Gentiles had been accepted, right? He proclaimed this. He preached it, right? This wasn't just a case of his heart being changed. This wasn't just a case of doing the action. But now he had to proclaim this. He had to teach this. He had to explain hey, what's going on here. <clears throat> but the core of the message that he preached, if you, if you read over his sermon again, or maybe you caught it the first time, the core of the message wasn't that the Gentiles had been accepted, the, the Gentiles had benefited from this good news, but they were not the, the subject of the good news. The core of the message was Jesus, right? Jesus had accepted the Gentiles. See, Peter realized something new about the Gentiles, but more than that, Peter realized something new about God. Um, starting in verse 34, Peter said, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. And then Peter went on to tell about Jesus. And if you don't know the good news, if you don't know about Jesus, then, then read Peter's speech here. Acts 10, um, verses 34 to, to 43. And if you don't have a Bible or you're not sure... Where to find Acts? Just type it in your browser, right? Acts, Acts 10, 34 to 43. And so as Peter was wrapping up his sermon, the Holy Spirit was poured out on the Gentiles, right? They received the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> they started speaking in tongues and praising God. And just in case the Jewish believers that had accompanied Peter didn't believe him, the Holy Spirit confirmed the message that, that Peter was proclaiming, right? And, and it seems, per verse 45, that they didn't believe it until verse 45. And you wonder, you wonder if, if the Gentiles, had the, if, if the Gentile believers, who they started to receive the Holy Spirit, and you wonder if, if they remembered what Peter had said just a few minutes earlier um, in verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power... And how he went around doing good and healing all who, were un, who, all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him, or because God was with him, right? When Jesus received the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, 
he went out doing these things. And so you wonder if the Gentiles realize, oh, now we've received the Holy Spirit. That means we've got some stuff to do. We've got some work to do. All right, I'll finish up with this. And this is for you, Christian. If you're feeling anxious or scared, if you're going through a season where it's just a hard season, maybe you're exhausted, if you're going through a valley, if life is tough right now, if you feel things are out of control, or you're not even sure who is in control, then let me, let me, let me remind you of this from Acts chapter 10, verse 36. You know, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Friends, you know the message. This is good news. Hold on to that. The good news of peace. The good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, I pray that your people would be encouraged. Oh, Lord, if, if there's some, uh, some work that you're doing in some of our hearts, Lord, please do that work. We, we, we invite you to do that work, to call us to whatever action it is that you have for us. If there's... Someone here or someone listening that, that is going through a valley, someone that knows you, or that you would just remind them of the good news, the good news that they already know, that you would remind them of that. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.